0: Okay, so you know when you were a kid and you know the parents go out of town for the weekend and you tell them you're going to behave and be nice and not break everything and smash things and turn the whole house upside down? That's kind of how I feel when I take off for a couple of days and... Turn the recreation um, over to Matt Marchese, who, by the way, as I always do, thank you so much, Matt, for for filling in for me while I was gone, uh, was in Raleigh for a couple of days doing interviews. You'll see those pop up on various pregame shows as the second the, uh, the, the conference final rather gets underway in earnest tonight. It is the Carolina Hurricanes hosting the Florida Panthers Game 1 pregame 730 puck drops just after 8 at PNC Arena. So I had a chance to talk to Brent Burns, Sebastian Aho, Um, Jacob Slavin as well. A lot of different angles to a lot of these different pieces. You'll see them in pregame shows um, popping up as that series advances. But one specific interviews. So I was down there alongside Christine Simpson um, who was doing interviews with various Florida Panthers players and also interviewed both head coaches. Now, Christine is a gem. Um, It's a treat to work with her. Um, We're really glad that we have her on our side uh, working with us here at at Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. And, you know, for for my money, and it's always good to watch Christine work because she's very well prepped and researched and uh, presents very well um, she, she did an interview with both Rod Brindamore and Paul Maurice. Now, as we speak, if you're listening to this live, they're cutting this together for, for broadcast a little bit later on. Um, I'm hoping to play a segment of the, uh, the interview with Rod Brindamore from yesterday afternoon. Uh, Lance, uh, back at Master, do we, do we have that audio? Do we have it, Lance? Okay, we got that. Okay, great. So let me set this up for you a little bit. So this is Christine Simpson in conversation with Rod Brindamore. And the Brindamore conversation is a a wide-ranging one, Uh, at times is very emotional. And at this point of the interview, this is Christine Simpson talking about the relationship between Rod Brindamore and his old coach, Paul Maurice, who now he's coaching against. And, you know, one of the things that's always been an issue sort of out there between these two is it was, you know, Paul Maurice, who was the head coach as Rod Brindamore's career wound down. And there, we think about taking away the sea. Uh, we think about, you know, the limited ice time, the five minutes a night, et cetera. So this was not the way that Rod Brindamore wanted an outstanding career to end. So Christine uh, asked both Brindamore and then later Paul Maurice about their memories of that experience. This is going to be part of the pregame show tonight. Hockey Central, 7.30 Eastern. Your host Ron McLean along with the panel this great Christine Simpson piece. I'm going to play a clip of it. This is Christine asking Rod Brindamore of memories of Paul Maurice shepherding the end of Rod Brindamore's career.
1: So at the time, though, as you said, that the, the end of your playing
0: career, mm-hmm. I mean, he sat you a game, yeah, he, took, yeah. he took away the captaincy. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Basically you, noticed, basically, you couldn't do much more to, <laughs> like, to a guy that, to be honest with you, I mean, I think I did it right. My most, you know, oh, like, yeah. I don't know that he would do that again, you know, because hmm. I think, like, I learned a lot from that. I, yeah. I learned that's not how you treat your guys that do it right. Interesting. And your older guys. Yeah. You know, like we had Justin Williams here at the end. Like I said, I'm not doing that to him. You know, like there's, there's a way to do it. Right. And I think, I think so I, you do learn. But again, it's, I, I don't have any hard feelings toward him you on don't. it. He made a decision on what he felt was best for the team. Sure.
0: Okay, so a couple of things there in that quick little 30, 40-second um, clip. And Christine mentions, you know, taking away the sea scratches and reduce ice time, et cetera. Um, you know, the idea that if Paul Maurice could do it again, he'd want a mulligan and he would do things differently. Um, that's a lobby. That's a lob into Paul Maurice's side of the court. And then the other one, and this is... I know as I'm as I'm watching this because I was right in front of both of them as the cameras were rolling because I wanted to watch Christine um, do this interview. It kind of felt like a dagger, and turning the dagger a little bit, and it's it's subtle, and it's right towards the end of that clip where Rod Brindamore talks about how he went through a situation with a veteran player as well in Justin Williams, and said he learned from how Paul Maurice handled him. Not to handle Justin Williams, a respected veteran, the same way. That is a very polite turning of the dagger. I think so, anyhow. Perhaps you do as well. You can hear and watch the full piece later on tonight on our pregame show. It's outstanding, and Paul Maurice does respond. Uh, I believe in this uh, in, in this piece as well. It is an interesting. Relationship between these two head coaches as they embark on a best-of-seven game series tonight uh, against one another. And good news for the Carolina Hurricanes. Brad Brindamore this morning saying that Teuvo Teravainen is good to go playing on a line with Jordan Stahl mm-hmm. and Martin Natchez. Lots to get to. We will talk about Arizona, Clayton Keller and his dad on social media. We'll talk about Ken Holland. We'll talk about the Eastern Conference final and uh, we'll talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins search as that continues. The Maple Leafs and Dubas and Lindy Ruff is back in New Jersey. And it's good to be back here in the chair. The Merrick show begins now. Elliot's on the other side.
1: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: I'm just trying to start a fight, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. I'm just sort of like a mini boxing promoter here, trying to get the uh, the Rod Brindamore, Paul Maurice spice spice train going here. Do you approve or not?
1: Oh yeah, I'm always a big fan of the spice train. Some oregano.
0: <laughs> no, but this, the is, the be, this is I'm big be on like the turmeric. Hot. No, I know. I'm a big cumin guy myself. I'm a big paprika guy. I like to have it on avocado toast. Um, But this (laughs) is. Avocado toast. No um... wonder
1: you can't afford anything. (laughs)
0: That's why I spend all my money. Now, by the way, when you buy avocados, uh, for your prize, you always get the wooden ball. That's the prize that I always get. Do you get a different one in your avocados? I seem to always get the wooden ball as the prize in mine. Anyhow, that's a story for another day. Um, I want to just get a a quick thought, and I'm going to return to this uh, Carolina Florida Panthers series in a couple of seconds. But do you have a thought on these two head coaches? Because we're going to focus, Mm -hmm. I would imagine, and you guys will on the panel as well, between Rod Brindamore and Paul Maurice. And it was, I mean, to be polite, it was awkward the way that Rod Brindamore's career ended um, under Paul Maurice. Uh, You know, yesterday when Christine Simpson was doing the interview, I, I know that Rod tried to be very professional about it, and I'm a coach now, and I understand. But you can sort of tell that... You know, the nerves were close to the skin, and he referenced in the piece, like, I had to go through a situation myself with Justin Williams. Uh, I handled things differently because I didn't want to handle Williams the way that Paul Maurice handled me, and on and yep. on and on. How do you see these two head coaches uh, against each other this evening, Elliot?
1: Well, I, I think that Maurice, is, uh, or rather, Brindamore is very much the identity of the Hurricanes, um, you know, the Hurricanes, I think, have gotten a lot of credit for uh, the way they've put together their organization, the contracts that they've done, some of the fines that they've had um, in terms of, you know, looking and finding players who maybe have been a bit devalued or, and plug them in and turn them into really useful players. Um, but and, uh, I think that if you, but I think that in a lot of ways, while the ingredients are, are put together very well, and ex- extremely well, actually. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, Brendan Moore is the chef. He's the he's the Gordon Ramsay. And I don't think he's quite as vulgar as Gordon Ramsay <laughs> can be sometimes. Um, he's the guy who makes it all work. And I think he's very much the identity of the team. It comes through him and uh, how he does things. You know, Maurice, like, like it, it's sort of like fire and ice. Like, like Maurice can be a fiery guy but he's generally more understated than Brendan Moore is. Like, there's no subtlety to Brendan Moore. There is subtlety to Maurice. And, um, you know, I think that that's probably the, like, that's probably the difference is that everything or does, it kind of hits you with a sledgehammer. I think a lot of things he does, he tries to get you with, like, some sly sarcasm or a wry smile or something like that.
0: He's, um, yeah, he has a, a sardonic tone, a sardonic wit, um, a great deadpan. Uh, listen, yeah. I, I think that, you know, both the, 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 the coaches' uh, press conferences after each game are going to be must-watch television, um, I think, on, 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 on both sides of this one. Okay, I want to come back to the series. Um, but first I want to ask you about the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, we talked about this on the last podcast. I suspect we'll do it again later on tonight when we do another one. Um, But another blog on the fire, and I believe this tweet has since been deleted, but uh, responding to the Arizona Coyotes' tweet about the Tempe vote, um, Clayton Keller's dad uh, responding, Keller will not be there at the beginning of the season and expect others to follow or not sign. Team will be moved, there are no other options, and Phoenix will regret losing a professional sports team. Again, Keller will not be there at the beginning yeah. of the season. What did you think? And again, the tweet has since been deleted, but what did you think when you, when you first saw this?
1: Uh, I, would always, I, I always say that uh, when I see things like that, I always say this is why my family is not allowed to tweet about me. Like they, I, have, I, I, have what, I don't have a lot of rules for my family, Jeff. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're free to do what they want. But I've made it very clear that no one in my family is to tweet anything about me, about what they think about uh like like they actually they can they can say what they think about me. I've got no problem with that, but I always tell them like don't respond to any criticism even if you don't like it, and don't presume the thing yeah. to think me. I always I always say that. There's one person who speaks for me and and that's me. And um like as a reporter, I don't mind it. It's great. Like, you know, like we, we get something to talk about. Um, just as, but my person, my personal belief is that I wouldn't want that for me. Now, I think yep. that they're I think, I, I think a few of the players feel that way. Um, I do yep. like, like I, I don't think that Keller is the only player in the aftermath of that situation who might feel that way. Um, I think, you know, like the players, they went through a situation where they were told this was going to work and they were going to win. And they're probably just as disappointed as everyone else. And so I think now the situation becomes as the emotion of the vote ebbs and the realization sets in, you know, what does this all mean? And, um, you know, we know they're going to play there next year. Can they save themselves in Arizona? I don't know. I think a lot of us are really skeptical. And, you know, I think the other thing, too, is, Jeff, is that uh, one of the things I'm starting to realize here, and there's a lot of things about this situation that are going to evolve. I I think there's – I'm curious to see what the relationship between the NHL and the ownership is going to be. Because, obviously, there was – and you talked about it on the pod – there was definitely a feeling put out there that they were going to win this and win this pre-handled. And the absolute reverse happened. And my experience is when things like that occur, there's fallout. So I I think that, number one, do they really have an ability to save themselves there? Number two, what's the relationship between the league and the ownership going to be? And number three, um, you know, can you calm the players down for a year who are really upset about this. And I think some of the players are legitimately upset about this. Now, you know, the one thing I was talking Mm -hmm. about with someone this morning, Jeff, is that Jacob Chickering was really unhappy for a long time and they held on as long as they could. And that's what someone said to me this morning. You always look at the history and Bill Armstrong's history is he will wait And so a player can go in there, whether it's Keller or anyone else, and say, it's time for me, but it doesn't mean that they're going to do it right away. So we'll see. Like, I won't be surprised at all if that tweet turns out to be true in the sense that some Coyotes players may say it's time, but that doesn't mean the Coyotes are going to do it that quickly.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I was just having a uh, an email exchange with someone um, this morning about this, who who brought up a really interesting talking point. Here is, you know, we focus so much on, you know, and we say, you know, Gary Bettman and uh, Arizona ownership, Gary Bettman this and Gary Bettman that. And the one thing that Bettman always knows is uh, where the votes are. Like when it comes to the Board of Governors, who's going to vote which oh, yeah. way? You know, one of the curi- one one of the curiosities here. I was just having this exchange before I hit the air. One of the curiosities here is, and I don't think it'll be unanimous. Like I, I don't think that every single member of the Board of Governors are feeling the exact same way. But is it still too early, or do you have a sense of how other teams feel about this? Oh, they hate this. Like, I'm sure there are some. Yeah, they, they. I, I hate know, it. But, but 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 is it is it would it be unanimous? If it was put, if it was put to a, uh, a vote on relocation,
1: oh, like first of all, I, I think you're right. Like I don't think he would ever do something where he'd have a vote and say, "What does everybody think?" I think if he was to right. do this, he would do it quietly. Look, I, I think the vast majority of teams would like for this to be over. Um, it just doesn't look good for the league, and and you know, yep. aside from the financial part of it, which I know you're referencing too. It just doesn't look good for the league. And I think, look, the reason they're going to be in, in Arizona next year is this team's not going to Quebec City as much as Canadian fans would love it. The team is not going to Quebec City, so they have and there's not a perfect other place to put them. So it takes time to find the right situation, and that's what they're going to do. And, you know, one of the other things I think here is you look at what's happening in baseball right now with the Oakland A's, like, they've they basically said they're leaving, yeah. and they're getting, like, two and 3,000 fans to a game. So, even though, you know, this isn't a place that seats, you know, 50,000 like the Coliseum does, like, you, you, you don't yeah. want an even... You don't want a lame-duck season. So, of course, you're going to come out and say, we're going to try to find something, sure or not, because you don't want to completely destroy yourselves in the market. But... Yeah. You know, I I think, like, Jeff, I think, like, like the hardcore Arizona fans loved that message last night. We're not giving up. That's what they want to hear. But I understand that everybody else is like, man, I I thought this was over. We're tired of this. And we'd like to move on.
0: Uh, we'll end it with some. Uh, we'll end it with a, with a sideways smile here. Uh, got a text before I got on the air from a uh, a, a longtime hockey person who says this: uh, the NHL should go to Atlanta for a third time. It's Canada's best chance at getting another franchise. Uh, very good. Whether it's uh, the Calgary Flames or the Winnipeg Jets, if Canada wants a franchise, uh, send a team to uh, to Atlanta. Okay, let me get to uh, let me get to this game tonight. Uh, Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes. Tara Vinen is in, as per Rod Brindamore, for the Carolina Hurricanes. How does this one measure up for you? And does the whole thing hinge on which goalie Bob shows up?
1: Well, I, I, think, that, <laughs> I think that absolutely that's a huge part of it. Um, again, he gets his rest, Jeff. He, I mean, for Florida, and you earn your breaks. Like, they, they closed out Toronto in five. So you earn that rest and it's a perfect thing for the hurricane for the Panthers that Bobrovsky can get his rest and be on a better schedule uh, for himself and his body going into the series. And obviously goaltending is a huge part of it. And I don't think anybody doubts mm-hmm. that. I, I think the thing that we've learned is that Carolina is incredibly consistent, no matter who's in the lineup or not. They've got a way that they're going to play. They're not going to vary from it. That is who they are. And you're going to have to beat them um, knowing the way that they're going to go. Like how many games have they played these playoffs where they really got away from who they are? Like one, like even when they lost the Islanders, a lot of those games, they were still, they lost twice the Islanders. And one of them was a bit of a blowout, but the, but, Even the other one they lost, I thought they were fine from what I saw of it. So, like, I think it just comes down to you know the way Carolina is going to play. And if you're Florida, you have to find a way to consistently get through that. And, uh, you know, like the other thing, too, is Carol, like Toronto, Florida was faster than Toronto. And I think that's one of the things that Toronto is going to try to address. But, you know, I don't think that's going to happen with Carolina. Carolina is a quick team, and not just because they have a guy named Faz
0: in the lineup. You know, the interesting thing about the Carolina Hurricanes, too, is I'm always curious about you know teams that other teams have beaten along the way to get to where they're at. And make no mistake about it, the Florida Panthers have slayed Dragons. Um, Boston Bruins, one of the best regular seasons we've ever seen. Uh, Numerous award winners on that team, future Hall of Famers, etc., um, and then they took it to the Toronto Maple Leafs in, at times, spectacular fashion. Um, but I look at the Carolina Hurricanes and I say to myself, you know, this is interesting because they, they, they beat a, a veteran New York Islanders team that plays a, you know, very deliberate, um, some would say safe style of hockey, one that is physically punishing, um, but um, that, that's very different than their team in the second round, uh, which was, of course, the New Jersey Devils, who are young and fast. Like, going into this series here against the uh, against the Florida Panthers, the Carolina Hurricanes have done, you know, what you hope that all championship teams can do, and, and most championship teams can. They beat different styles of teams. Like, I look at the Hurricanes and I say, they beat two profoundly different Uh, playing squads here in the Islanders and the New Jersey Devils. Do you have a thought on that one?
1: Uh, I think that that is true. I wouldn't argue with that uh, at all, Jeff. I think a lot of your theories are crazy. That is a good one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, let me just check that box. I'm one up on the day. <laughs> um, okay, you mentioned that Ically was a couple of se- couple of seconds ago, and you know there was some you know wondering that if by the end of the week a uh, you know we thought that by the end of the week there might be a contract extension, something announced. Um, what's happening with the Maple Leafs and their still and maybe future general manager?
1: Jeff, I need you to hang on for a sec. I need to take this. Okay, hang on.
0: Okay, you grab it and then you come back. So Elliot's obviously getting something hopefully that it's, you know, shareable here on the program. Got another, you know, 10 minutes or so in the in the A block as we call him A block Elliot. Let me uh let me let me take this opportunity uh to let you know what's coming up on the uh, on the rest of the program. Ian Mendez stops by from the athletic. How about Mendez, eh? Ch- chasing the Wrexham story, what it means, what Ryan Reynolds means and as he's over there uh, Remington and Reynolds pull out. Nonetheless, uh, we'll get the update on the latest uh, with the Ottawa Senators and what's happening with the bids and where we go and when we're going to see some type of conclusion. Uh, Aaron Ward is going to stop by, former NHL defenseman, former teammate of Rod Brindamore's, um, played under Paul Maurice. Um, so he can sort of speak from from both ends of the Rod Brindamore-Paul Maurice um, debate before before game one this evening, and Ed Jovanovski is going to stop by. Uh, Panthers analyst, former NHL defenseman, we'll talk about the Eastern Conference Final from the Panthers' point of view with the guy they used to call Joe Uh Elliot's back with some some juicy scoops. What do you got, Freeze? No,
1: no, no. It's like I, there's there's a couple of people who always know not to call me between twelve and twelve thirty unless it's important. And yeah. it was one of them. So I took it and I was like, okay, I just got off radio to talk. And they're like, oh, shoot, I forgot. So it was, it was, that was the, uh, that, that was kind of what happened there. I, I've got uh, like a list oh, of people I okay. know not to call me during that time, unless they absolutely have to talk to me. Um, anyway, so about right, the Dubas good. thing. And uh, so basically where I think it stands is, um, look, I, I think they made them a long-term offer. I think this has been, like, I don't know. Obviously, you were away, and first of all, I hope you had a really good trip. But I said to Marquesi the other day that I don't think this started after the Tampa series. Uh, I think it started before then. I think it started at some point uh, in the season. I don't know exactly when, but I think it started at some point in the season. These conversations began, and I think they have a long-term extension on the table for them. And they thought it was going to get done this week. And, uh, you know, obviously Dubas put a hold on that. And I just think the the, the biggest question we have right now is how long is MLSE going to wait? And, um, like, you know, the, the longer this goes, the more, I mean, what's the old line? Like the silence is deafening. I think the biggest question now may not necessarily be Dubas and his family decision, it may be MLSE and how much longer MLSC is going to wait. Like I've had people who say, this is a leverage play. One, I don't believe it. Two, I don't think it would work. Um, I I have a greater understanding after eight and a half years in telecoms is how they work. I don't think it would work anyway. Um, I just would say that um, I think the, the question now is, how long is MLSE willing to wait?
0: Well, it, it sounds like um, also to, to dovetail to another topic, the Pittsburgh Penguins um, aren't interested in waiting, and they're you know. I don't. I don't think. I, a, a, I don't a, think dubus and the
1: Penguins is a thing.
0: I don't. No. For one thing, you so, said either. it. I, and two,
1: I, I don't think they yeah. were going down that road. Yep.
0: No, I I completely agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think that. I mean, it, it very much feels like they're starting to wind this thing down whether it's, you know, Darsh or Dan McKinnon or Eric Tulsky or Jason Carmanos, it it feels very much like they're getting to the point where, and I think you you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, like they don't want to wait too long here. They want to get business done and they want to start to start to move forward here. Uh, Does it feel like we're getting close to a conclusion here, Elliot?
1: I would say uh, yes, purely because of the timeline. I just don't think... Like, I don't think MLSC wants to wait too much longer. I think they want to know where this
0: is going. Um, So, I mean... No, I mean, 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 Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh? not MLSC. Pittsburgh, not MLSC. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Does it feel like this is marching to a conclusion?
1: Yes. I I think it's getting closer. I mean, there's a lot of variables that this could go. Um, I think you mentioned some of the finalists that we believe are in for the GM position, Darsh, McKinnon, Polsky, uh, possibly Carmanos, and or Greeley. I think those are some of the names I think a lot of us are focusing on. Um, The Chaika thing, they definitely interviewed him. We'll see where that goes. I'm getting very mixed commentary on Botrell. I don't think he wanted to be the GM. I you know, I've heard that I've heard that from a couple of different places that if he was gonna go there, it was you know, he preferred the higher spot. And I will say this, Jeff, I've also wondered if maybe Seattle would find a way to keep him.
0: Um,
1: like I think that's also hmm. part of the possibility there that Seattle might say, Look, like we might do something to keep him. That's kind of where I think the mix is. And, yes, I think we're getting calls. Anytime we can invite people to your city, down to a list of, you know, three to five, we're, uh, we're taking the ball inside the red zone. We're driving. Uh, Tom Brady's Tom Brady's about to score on you. Or Pat Mahomes.
0: All right. Inches, uh, inches away. Uh, real quick, talked about it in the on the pod on the weekend. Tom Fitzgerald making it uh, official yesterday. Uh, Lindy Ruff returns as head coach of the New Jersey Devils. Um, not exactly a surprise. I, I think the the, the the bigger questions are on the horizon for New Jersey. Most name, most notably, I suppose, uh, a brat contract, and also uh, what happens with uh, with Timo Meyer uh, et cetera. Uh, cl- close on the, uh, on the New Jersey Devils here before we wrap up thoughts on what's happening there. Now that Fitzgerald's made it official that Lindy Ruff is returning.
1: I don't, um, I, I don't think anybody is really surprised by that. Um, uh, I, I don't think uh, the way it went this year, he had to bet on himself and he rolled lucky seven, uh, and it, it's very clear those those young players like playing for him. So I don't think anybody is surprised. I, I'm not sure that the contract is done, but like, like Fitzgerald said, mm-hmm. they're, they're gonna re- he's going to return. I think Brunette will be a candidate in a couple of other places. Um, you know, Anaheim we talked about on the pod. I don't think that will be the only place. They're going to have to figure that one out too. Does he leave? Um and then, you know, Bratt and Meyer. They seem very confident on yeah. Bratt. Um, you know, nothing is done until it's done. And the Meyer one, I heard that they were really gonna start to get down to that this week to see what they to see where the landscape was. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But um, you know, the, it's obvious that the coach is back, they're gonna try to keep as as much of their core as they can. So it's going to be a dance to do both Bratt and Meyer. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes mm-hmm. here.
0: All right. Uh, we'll be tuned in tonight. Uh, I know you like when I call it the Magic Eyeball, so there we go. We'll be watching on the Magic yeah. Eyeball tonight, pregame at 7.30, with the uh, Christine Simpson piece with Rod Brindamore and Paul Maurice. And then it is the Carolina Hurricanes hosting the Florida Panthers game one of the Eastern Conference final. Thanks, as always, each. Enjoy the game tonight.
1: All right. Did you have a good trip?
0: Uh, it was nice. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I, I've, I've never been to Raleigh before. It was my first time. Uh, liked nice. it. Um, that's a great organization, easy one to work with. And uh, I think I got some pretty good stuff from from Burns, um, Jacob Slavin, and Sebastian Ajo as well. And I'll tell you what, you know what really got Brent Burns to open up and start really talking? What's that? He's a hockey dad. And when I say hockey yeah. dad, he is like all in on his son 's hockey, like all of a sudden, boom, the interview just takes a turn, and he starts going on about kids' hockey, so he 's in you know they say in for a penny in for a pound um he 's in for a pound on uh, on on youth hockey with his kid and his his kid 's team and his kid 's a center, and he gets to learn from Rod Brindamore how to do face offs he talk about he talk about like winning the lottery. Uh, you know, your uh, your, your your dad's coach is Rod Brindamore. He's teaching you how to take faceoffs. That's pretty good, Elliot. That's uh, not that's bad. Pretty good. So uh, yeah, good trip. Good trip. Uh, three o'clock in the morning. Came early today to get back, but I uh, wanted to get back in the chair. So we'll watch for you tonight, and uh, later on we'll do another podcast. All
1: right, Jeff. Great. I'm glad to hear your trip went great. Take care, Bud.
0: Thanks, man. There he is, Elliot Friedman. Thirty-two thoughts. Hockey night in Canada. Uh, game one tonight, eight o'clock Eastern. Pre-game underway at seven thirty. Uh, your host, Ron McLean, and the Christine Simpson piece uh, with Paul Maurice and Rod Brindamore. When we come back, we'll get on the Ottawa Senators page. So where is everything? Uh, I know this is the week where they go through offers, uh, and you know, okay, which banks are you using? How is this being financed? Uh, what are your plans? Who are you? What are you all about? Um, And then at the end of it, this sale will finally be completed. We're marching towards some type of conclusion here sooner than later. Ian Mendez uh, joins me in a couple of moments from The Athletic. Uh, the latest on the Sens sale. Uh, Merrick show continues. Hour 2, Aaron Ward, Ed Jovanovsky. Talk about the Hurricanes. Talk about the Panthers. The couple of defensemen from both those organizations. Merrick show continues across the Sportsnet radio network. Glad to be back. Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.